You know, we started a series two weeks ago uh, called the Re, Re-Series, which is really just a prefix that means to uh, return or to repeat. And then this series, um, we're talking about God's ability to revive us, to refresh us, to renew us, to restore us. As we begin a brand new year, uh, we can be encouraged. Amen. In Isaiah 43 and verse 18, it says, uh, don't call to mind the former things or ponder the things of, of the past. Behold, I will do something new, something new. You know, the word new means um, to rebuild, to renew, to repair. How many of you know the Lord is always interested in doing a new thing in our lives? He's a progressive God and he's always moving and always just wanting to bring us to a new level and do a fresh work in our lives. Amen. Don't get comfortable. Remember the children of Israel? They followed the cloud by day uh, and the fire by night. And uh, they had to keep following the cloud. If they stayed still, they were going to lose out because God is a progressive God. Amen. And so God wants to do something new. And I believe in that verse where he says, don't call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I'm doing something new. You know, I believe that, you know, the Lord is trying to tell us as we begin 2015 to not look in the rearview mirror of past mistakes or past issues, circumstances and situations, but to look in the windshield of what is ahead, have hope and have vision that God has something new for us. Amen. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about Revive. God is a God who revives. And, and uh, Psalm 138 says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. Revive means to to quicken, to cause to recover and to make live again. And, you know, God has those uh, those paddles, you know, and those uh, like the medical profession. And he has the ability of of just jolting us with his presence and his grace. And all of a sudden, everything dead and dying in our life comes back to life. Amen. And that's the God that we serve. And so today we're going to we're going to we're going to study another one of those rewords, which is the word refill. God is a God who refills our hearts. He refuels our life. And the Bible says in Ephesians 518, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, according to Ephesians five, being filled with the spirit should be an ongoing experience for every believer. This is not a suggestion. It's a command. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Now, to be filled with the spirit, as, as you study out that word, it's a present tense verb, which means to be consistently and continuously being filled with the spirit. It implies a continuing act, continuous action. So in other words, to be filled with the spirit not only means to be filled one time or at this moment, but to keep on being filled over and over again. You know, I was thinking about this and you, some of you maybe heard me tell this story, but um, I think it was about a year ago, something like that. Uh, I was I was with Tanya in the mall. And uh, and um, and so, you know, we we're walking around the mall shopping and, um, you know, and I was just losing strength. I was tired. I felt like I was about to pass out. And I thought it was because I was in the mall. The mall will do that to me, you know. But, uh, you know, I was also thirsty. And so uh, so I said, uh, Tanya, I'm thirsty. We saw a vending machine, stopped at the vending machine and got me some water. And I drank the water. And all of a sudden, in, in just a short amount of time, I wasn't tired anymore. And uh, I was refreshed and I was ready to shop some more. Now, how many of you know that's a miracle right there? But you know what? I was what the problem was, I was 
I was getting dehydrated. And, and, and when you get dehydrated, you lose energy. You lose, you lose vitality in your life. And spiritually speaking, when you get dehydrated, you lose vitality. You lose energy in life. Amen. And so Paul urged us to put aside the interest of being drunk with wine and instead focus our intention on being filled and refilled with the spirit. So the Lord wants us to be filled and refilled with the spirit each and every day. Just like we need water on a regular basis, we need to be filled with the spirit on a regular basis. Amen. Are y'all tracking with me? So why did Paul want us to be filled and refilled with the spirit? Because Paul learned that being filled with the spirit was very important. It was the only way that we can experience a victorious life. The only way that we can overcome the problems and the issues that we have to face in this life is to be spirit filled. How many of you would agree with that? Say amen. Now listen, being filled with the spirit gives you an advantage in life. You know, when Jesus told his disciples he was going away and he was going to be crucified and he was leaving them, of course, their hearts were deeply grieved. But then he explained to them the importance and the advantage of his leaving. And this is what he said in in John 16, 7. He says, I tell you the truth. In other words, this is not a lie. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. When Jesus was on the earth, he was only, he could only be at one place at one time. But how many of you know when Jesus left and the, the advantager came, the helper came, now Jesus is everywhere all the time with all of us anytime we need him. Amen. The helper means one coming alongside to help you. Now the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, is the one that God has ordained, anointed to come alongside us to help us through the challenges and difficulties of life. Verse 13 says, When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. So think about it. The Holy Spirit's job is to walk alongside us, guiding us and helping us navigate through whatever we have to go through in life. How many of you think that, my friend, is a good thing? Amen. And then later on in in the Gospels, in Luke's Gospel, after Jesus uh, was resurrected and before he ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples these specific instructions. In Luke chapter 2 or 24, verse 49, he says, And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus instructed his disciples to stay in the city, which was Jerusalem, until they were clothed or empowered from on high. Power from on high means to have miraculous ability. Power from on high means to get beyond your own ability. Power from on high means to reach beyond and go further than you can in your own strength. That's what power from on high means. So Jesus tells the disciples, before you try to preach your first sermon, before you try to heal the first blind person or try to build the first church, Wait until you receive power from on high. Why? Because power comes 
and helps us get further than we could get on our own. Power from on high. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us miraculous ability. Do you all agree with that this morning? In Luke 24, 49, in the Living Bible, it says it like this. And now I will send the Holy Spirit upon you, just as my Father promised. Don't begin telling others yet. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on heaven. Listen, whenever Jesus was uh, ascend, or was resurrected, they were so stoked about that. Jesus came out of the grave. They were ready to go tell anybody and everybody that was there. They were ready to get the party started for Jesus. They were ready to build a church. And Jesus says, no, before you go, wait. Wait till you receive power from on high. See, Jesus knew the only way the disciples could successfully accomplish their mission and their purpose in life was to be filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Two amens. And just as the disciples needed the power of the Holy Spirit to successfully accomplish their mission and purpose in life, brothers and sisters, you and I need to be endued with power from on high for us to accomplish our purpose and our mission that God has given us. Amen? Think about it. Without the Holy Spirit's power, we will live a dry, empty, and defeated life. Without the Holy Spirit's power, ministry will exhaust us, drain us of all our vitality and our energy. Without the Holy Spirit's power, we will never truly enjoy a close and intimate walk with God. Without the Holy Spirit's power, we will never win the spiritual battles we have to face in life every day. Listen, without the Holy Spirit's power, we are destined to live a helpless, powerless, defeated Christian life. That's the truth. The bottom line is if we want to live a refreshed life as we start this new year, if we want to live a renewed, restored life, we desperately need to be filled and not filled one time, but to be refilled daily so that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit's unction that Jesus said would come upon us so we could live the victorious life. Amen. John 16, 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. You know, the blessing of Jesus being ascending into heaven was the Holy Spirit came. The difference between the Old Testament or before Christ's resurrection and after Christ's resurrection is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. The difference between Jesus before Jesus was resurrected and after Jesus was resurrected is the Spirit's power being available to each and every person that is willing to have its power working in their life. Amen? Now, question. If the Holy Spirit's job is to help you, how exactly does the Holy Spirit help you? Well, I just want to quickly just give just a few blessings because there's too many. and It would take too much time. It would take a series to do. But let me just give you four specific ways living in the Spirit or living the Spirit-filled life will help you. Number one, the first blessing is you enjoy greater freedom in your life. You know, listen, the more Spirit-filled you, you are, the more internal and external freedom you'll experience. This, this is what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3.17. For the Lord is the Spirit, 
And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now notice what it says. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So listen, so if the Holy Spirit is in you, you will experience freedom. Because wherever the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. Amen. Freedom means to be liberated from any internal or external enslavements that hold you back from being everything that God has created you to be. Amen. How many of you are glad that there is freedom to be had? Amen. So listen. The more the Holy Spirit is in us, the more we'll experience freedom from bondages, strongholds, and the oppression of the enemy. Amen. Hey, listen, last Sunday, this entire congregation experienced the freedom of the Spirit. Amen. If you were here and you didn't experience freedom, you should you should have jumped in. Amen. You should have got with the program. Amen. And you know, some people that were in here, I was thinking some people probably dance that have never danced before, hadn't danced in a while. Some people clapped that maybe hadn't clapped in a while. Some people smiled and laughed. And you know, there was people doing stuff they don't normally do. And But there was just a great feeling of liberty here. Why was that? Because the spirit was here. That's why the spirit was here. The Spirit of the Lord brought freedom. You know, a few years ago, I was thinking about this. A few years ago, during a time of prayer and fasting, there was a brother that had been in church here for years. And we were in during a time of prayer and fasting, and we were worshiping. And, uh, and he was wanting a breakthrough, not experiencing a breakthrough. And while he was worshiping, the Lord spoke to him and said, you know, you need to forgive that guy that, that, uh, that did that to you way back and brought him way back. Like 20 years. He's like, man, you got to be kidding me. Like, I thought I was way beyond that. He's like, well, Lord, apparently you're bringing that to my mind for a reason. And just right there, sitting in the, right there doing a worship service, he just repented and asked God to forgive him and said, Lord, I forgive, I forgive that brother and, and I don't want to hold anything against him. And all of a sudden, he felt the presence of God in his life. Well, well, here's the kicker. For years, he could not sleep through the night. He could only sleep two or three hours and wake up. And, and, and he had to have lights on and just all kinds of, he had trouble at night sleeping. But you know, after he got that breakthrough, he went back home and slept all night and has been ever since. I checked with him this week to see if he was still enjoying freedom and he's enjoying freedom. I'm here to tell you that the spirit of God can set you free from every bondage and enslavement that the enemy is trying to bring in your life. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God that we get free from enslavements. Amen? Come on, how many of you agree with that? Say amen. I'm telling you, it's hard for the devil to keep a spirit-filled believer bound up with bondages, addictions, and strongholds. Amen? It's hard because the anointing of God breaks those yokes. The second blessing of living the Spirit-filled life is you become much wiser as the Spirit teaches you God's truth. How many of you know one of the jobs of the Spirit is to teach you God's truth? First John 2, 27 says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. Now, notice what the verse says. The Holy Spirit lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you what is true. The Holy Spirit plays many roles in our lives. But one of the greatest roles of the Holy Spirit is He is our teacher. 
See, living the Spirit-filled life is like having your own coach, your own counselor, your own advisor, your own mentor. The Holy Spirit is there like a perfect parent to work in our lives permanently living with us so that he can teach us something and, and he can train us how to live the Christian life. And he's constantly bringing truth, direction, and correction in our lives, but in the most loving, gentle way. The Spirit of God won't beat us over the head, but he'll say, hey, you're about to hit your head. It's, us, it's up to us whether we're going to be taught or not. Now, if you're unteachable, you're going to hit your head. But if you're willing to flow with the Holy Spirit, he'll save you from hitting your head. Amen. John 14, 26 says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit teaches you, advises you, directs you on the best path you could take. The Holy Spirit says, this is truth. This is a lie. This is the way to walk. This is the wrong way to walk. How many of you know that's a blessing to have that in life? I mean, come on now. now. Come on, saints of God. I mean, it's not fair to the rest of the world for us to have the creator of the universe with us to say, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to counsel you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to help you how to win this life. Come on. What a blessing, man. I tell you, you can have the world and the things of the world. I want Jesus. Amen. The third blessing of living the spirit-filled life is you experience God's comfort when you go through the emotional Difficult times of life. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Comforter means to console, to comfort, to encourage, to strengthen emotionally. Now, you know, Friday we had a memorial service, as we mentioned, for Miss, for uh, our brother Chuck Fulkerson. And, you know, the question is, you know, how does Carol survive now? You know, I've been married all these years and, you know, how, how does she keep going? Well, you know, I know how she's going to keep going. Listen, I know it's not going to be easy for her, but I know this. I know that the Lord will never leave her nor forsake her. And he's already made provision for her to go through this valley. And he's going to fill her heart with comfort and consolation through the power of his spirit. Amen. One of the roles the Holy Spirit plays is to bring comfort and encouragement in our lives when we so desperately need it. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I hear it over and over again, over and over again, how God's spirit comes at the point that we are the weakest. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves have received from God. How do you make it through? How do you make it through the deepest hurts and burdens of life? God said, it's important that I go. It's to your advantage that I go. Because when I go, the helper, the comforter, the counselor will be with you. The way we make it is through the counseling and comforting of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I can tell you from personal experience, 
One of the greatest blessings and benefits of being spirit-filled is experiencing the emotional and the tremendous encouragement that comes from the Spirit of God when there's nobody or nothing on the globe that can help you. I'm telling you, there's an avenue that has been made by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and the Holy Spirit is here on the earth, in this church, in our lives so that we can be comforted and consoled. What a blessing to have that in our lives. And listen, you don't really realize the value of it until you need it like nobody's business. And then you can say, thank you, Jesus. The fourth blessing of living the spirit-filled life is your life changes from being natural, naturally controlled to supernaturally controlled. Remember when Saul... Uh, who was a natural man, was called by God to lead God's people. God transformed that man. He transformed him into a supernatural, anointed, spirit-filled, spirit-controlled prophet of God. He was just a normal Joe. Like when he took David, David was just a shepherd boy. But when God got a hold of him, he was no longer just a shepherd boy. Saul was just a natural guy. But when God got a hold of him, he became a supernatural guy. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 10, 6 and 7, at that time, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. <laughs> I love that. You're going to be changed into a different person. Saul became a totally different person after the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. Here's the gospel truth. The Spirit-filled life will supernaturally transform your life. Hello. Is my mic still working out there? The Spirit of God will supernaturally transform your life. You know, somebody said, you know, you know a great witnessing tool would be to take people's uh, driver's license picture before they became a Christian and after they've been a Christian for a few years and see the transformation. You know, I still, I still run into people that I went to school with and uh, I wouldn't have been voted pastor in the class, but you know, I still run into people and they look at me with that, you know, that, that disbelief, like there's no way, man, there's no way. I mean, who in their right mind would let you lead them spiritually? You're a drug head, but they don't know the power of God to transform a person. Amen. And I'm telling you, God can transform your life if you allow him. Amen. Yes, indeed. Here's a picture of the person who continually lives the spirit filled life. Being spirit filled will cause you to be spiritually fruitful. You go from being hateful to loving, from being depressed to joyful, from being anxious to peaceful from being impatient to patient, from being inconsiderate to kind, from being unreliable to faithful, from being harsh to gentle, from being out of control to being self-controlled. Galatians 5, says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, being filled with the spirit will cause you to be spiritually gifted, gifted with God's wisdom. Gifted with knowledge beyond your years. Gifted with faith to move mountains. Gifted with the ability to heal the sick. Gifted with miraculous power. Gifted with the ability to prophesy. Gifted with the ability to discern spirits. Gifted with the ability to speak and interpret tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. And it's the Spirit of God that works all these gifts in us. 
The Holy Spirit causes you to be supernaturally gifted. When Saul began prophesying, Saul wouldn't normally, as a man that could be, that could prophesy, but once the Spirit of God came on him, he could prophesy. You see, it's not the natural man that causes the gifts to operate. It's the Spirit of God that causes the natural mind, the natural man to, to operate supernaturally. Amen? What am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that the Spirit-filled life will change you into another person. The Spirit-filled life will transform you into an unrecognizable person. That's the power of the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit-filled life will be a life that is refreshed, renewed, rebuilt, restored, and revived. The problem is, the tragedy is that we would try to have transformation in our life and not embrace the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God to experience transformation. Wouldn't you agree, brothers and sisters? Now, let's, let's, let's wrap it up and talk about how do you live a Spirit-filled and refilled life? There's three steps to living a Spirit-filled and refilled life. There's probably... 50. We're just going to talk about three today. But each step relates to three different groups of people that are in here today, depending on where you are spiritually. But the first step is this step number one to being filled with the spirit, filled with the transforming power of God is you must be born again. You must be born again. It all begins with a spiritual birth. You can't be spirit filled until you become a believer. You could come to church forever, but it's not going to make you spirit-filled. John 3, 5, Jesus replied to Nicodemus, who's a religious leader, that said, how can, how can you know, we enter the kingdom of God? He said, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born, born of the water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. You know, everybody needs two birthdays. Your natural birthday, obviously, you got one of those. If you hear my voice, you got one of those. But you need a spiritual birthday. You need a spirit. Jesus said that the world are those who have not experienced the new birth. They cannot receive the Holy Spirit. It's not available. Until you're reborn. And John 14, 17 says, he is, he is the Holy Spirit who leads us in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Once you become a Christian, being born again is when you experience the birthing of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need a spiritual birth. The Bible says in Ephesians, we are dead in our trespasses, but once we get born again, we're forgiven and, and we're dead spiritually. But once we ask Jesus to forgive us and we get born again, the Holy Spirit comes inside and now we become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So listen, you can be coming to church for 30 years. And never be spirit-filled. You can know the Bible and not be spirit-filled. You know, 
uh, you know, right now is a flu epidemic. And what they do is they inoculate us so we don't get the flu. And the way they inoculate us is they give us a little bit of flu so we don't get the real flu. And some of us have been inoculated with Christianity. We've gotten a little bit of Christianity that's just enough to keep us from real Christianity. And the enemy would love to see you come to church all your life as long as you never cross the line and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need my sins forgiven. Would you please forgive me and wash my heart? Because the devil knows that the day that you do that, that's when the power of God begins to work in your life and you will never be the same as a result of it. Amen? So listen, I want to... We're going to give you a chance to do that at the end of the service. And if you've never done, if you've never made that step and taken that step, don't let the devil's inoculation keep you from the real thing. Don't let him keep you from the real thing because it's a world of difference. It's an eternal difference. Amen. Now, the second step to living the spirit, the spiritually filled life is to seek to get baptized with the spirit. Now, some churches teach that after you become a Christian, that's all you need to have. That's all you need to that's all you need to live. The spirit filled life is to just be a Christian. But we believe that there is another experience with the Holy Spirit that you can have. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, we see this spiritual progression happening in the in the disciples lives in the Gospels. Remember in John twenty twenty two. When Jesus was with his disciples just before he ascended, after he was resurrected, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, a question I have is if if Jesus told them and breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you think they received the Holy Spirit? Or do you think his breath wasn't strong enough? How many of you believe that he they were they were filled with the spirit? It's at this point in time that the disciples initially received and experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit. But after the disciples received the Holy Spirit by Jesus breathing on them, they received this command from him. In, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 and 5, it says, Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this was the same group of guys that Jesus had just breathed on to receive the Holy Spirit. Now he's telling them to wait in Jerusalem until they receive the gift he promised, which was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so if they had already received all that there was to being filled with the Holy Spirit when he breathed on them, why did Jesus command them to wait in Jerusalem until they received power from on high? Well, I think there's another experience that every believer can have, which is being baptized with the Spirit. And then we see the disciples experiencing the fulfillment of the promise at the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now remember, this is the same group of guys that Jesus breathed on who are now receiving the promise of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And and here's what I believe and have experienced is that 
after the initial experience of receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation, there's another experience that you can have. There's another, there's another experience that you can have with the Holy Spirit. And it's whenever you get baptized, Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the evidence that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Acts 4 tells us what it is, or, or verse 4, Acts 2, 4. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The evidence of being baptized with the Spirit, according to Acts 2, was speaking in other tongues. So listen, I want to encourage you. Speaking in tongues, it's not a prerequisite to be a part of this church or to fellowship in this church. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. If you've never been baptized with the Spirit and spoken in tongues since you become a Christian, I, I want to encourage you to desire and seek to be baptized with the Holy Spirit because God has more for you. You know what's interesting is that whenever I talk about this, although I believe it with every cell in my being, whenever I teach about getting baptized with the Spirit, I feel some stress and some pressure coming back from some in the congregation. Because of the theology and the, and the mindset. And, you know, and I believe, you know, I was struggling yesterday just to just get minimally, just to be able to just present the message today. And I believe that, you know, they, listen, this world is, is tough. And, and, I, and, you know, I think if the enemy could just keep us out of heaven, uh, if he could just, you know, if he can't keep us out of heaven, he just hopes we don't tap into God's power. But I just want to encourage you. You don't have to, but it's a privilege you can have. Amen. In Mark 16, 17, Jesus said this. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, 5, Paul said, now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. God's heart is for all his children to enjoy the amazing benefits of the heavenly language. So listen. I believe in the power of God, the power of the Spirit that comes at salvation, and I believe there's this other experience, being baptized with the Spirit. And if you are interested in that, after the, in a little while, we're going to close the service, and I, we want to pray for anybody that wants to be filled with the Spirit. Amen? And then finally, the third step to living a Spirit-filled life is this, is learning to live and walk in the Spirit. Because, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes we feel like being spirit filled is if we pray and something comes out of our mouth that doesn't sound natural, we got spirit filled. But that's not at all what being spirit filled is. That's not at all. It's evidence that the spirit came on you and speak in tongues. But the Bible says in Galatians 5.25, if we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. See, learning to live and walk in the spirit means this. Number one. That we avoid that which quenches or grieves the Holy Spirit in our life. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Quench means to extinguish. We can extinguish the Spirit's fire in our life. How many of you know that? How do, you, how do we extinguish the Spirit's fire in our life? The next three verses gives us the answer. It says this, 1 Thessalonians 5.20, Do not despise prophetic utterance, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form 
of evil. You see, the way that we avoid quenching the Spirit in our life, the way we we avoid turning the fire of the Spirit out of our life is this. By embracing the spiritual gifts like prophetic utterances. You know, the gifts are of the Spirit. They're for the church. And if we despise, he said, don't despise the gift of prophecy. I think you can add every other gift there too. Don't despise the gifts of the Spirit like prophetic utterance. You need to embrace the gifts of the Spirit. It didn't stop at the last dispensation. The gifts of the Spirit are still here today, and the Scripture clearly teaches that. Amen? And then the other thing is by examining our hearts and our life on a regular basis. He says, listen, don't quench the Spirit and hold fast to the godly things of life and abstain from every form of evil. Tell him, I... It matters not whether you spoke in tongues. If you live a disobedient, sinful, evil, wicked life, my friend, you will not be filled with the Spirit. You'll be filled with a Spirit, but not the Spirit of God. Amen? You see, there's things that we can do that that cause the Spirit of God to come and fill our lives, and there's things that we can do to cause the Spirit of God to leave our lives. Last Sunday was an example of what happens when we turn off the things of the world and seek after the things of God. The Spirit of God begins to work in our life like nobody's business. Amen? So don't quench the Spirit. Nothing extinguishes the Spirit like a sinful or sin-filled life. Ephesians 4.30 says, And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve means to make sad or sorrowful. The Holy Spirit has a personality that can be made sad or sorrowful. And so there are things that we can do that can grieve the Spirit. And there's some things that we can do that causes the Spirit of God to smile. That wants to be around. Verse 31 and 32. Right after verse 30. It says. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage. Anger. Brawling. Slander. Along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you. See, the price of not forgiving somebody when they offend you is you grieve the Holy Spirit. You quench the Holy Spirit. See, the price of, of uh, the consequence of having rage and anger and, and, and being in contention and strife and holding resentment and, and speaking ill and speaking evil is you put holes in your spiritual vessel and you lose the infilling of the Spirit of God. Amen. So we need to just be careful about avoiding that which quenches or grieves the Holy Spirit in our life. But number two, we need to embrace that which fuels or increases the Holy Spirit or influence in our life. There's things to stop doing and there's things to do. 
There's things that will, will zap the spiritual life out of you. And there are things that will bring the spiritual life into you. Amen. And so we embrace what fuels our, our spiritual life. A consistent prayer life fuels and increases the Holy Spirit's influence in our life. How many of you know that? In, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31 says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Notice, after they had prayed, the place they were meeting were filled with the Holy Spirit. Prayer is the main discipline of life that will fill and refill you with the Holy Spirit over and over again. If you want or need more of the Spirit's power, if things in the world, things that you're dealing with are overwhelming you and causing you to be defeated or discouraged or not have, not feel uh, the vitality of life, I want to encourage you up your prayer time. Spend more time at the feet of Jesus. Spend more time praying and talking to God. I can tell you what's going to happen is you're going to start getting in Fused and filled with the Holy Spirit and things will start breaking off your life and you're going to start living the abundant life. Why? Because prayer fuels the spiritual life. But here's another way that you can increase the spirit, the spirit filled life is a consistent life of worship fuels and increases the Holy Spirit's influence in your life. You know, Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Worship attracts God's presence. And, and, you know, whenever you think of worship, you know, probably what you think about is like the band playing and singing songs. And obviously, that's a that's a form of worship. And uh, it's a it's a it's a corporate form of worship that whenever we get together and we worship God, you sense and feel the presence of God in the place. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Right? But you know, you don't have to wait and you shouldn't wait till Sunday to worship God. If you only worshiping God on Sunday morning, it's going to be hard to live a spirit filled life. You need to, you need to bow your heart and worship God and tell Him how good He is and how happy you are to be one of His child, one of His children serving Him, living for Him. And I tell you, you just begin to worship God and start declaring how good He is and how, what, how blessed you are to have Him as, as your Lord and your Master. And all of a sudden, you're going to feel the presence of God in your life. Worship attracts the presence of God. So not only do we get into prayer to get spirit-filled, but we need to get in worship to be spirit-filled. And the third thing is a consistent, a consistent time in God's Word increases the Holy Spirit's influence in our life. In, in John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. What is this saying? This verse is saying, I believe, that Jesus is the Word of God. So when you spend time reading the Bible, you're really spending time with Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus, who is spirit, you will get spiritually filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit's power. Amen? First John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at. And our hands have touched 
This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The Bible is the word of life and will cause you to be filled and refilled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So listen, if we'll take time to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to meditate on the Bible, to memorize the Bible. Hear the Bible preached. Turn off talk show and put on a preaching. Put you some good teaching on. And in your car, you're going to start to sense and feel the presence of God. You see, if we can't live a power-filled life if we don't spend time in prayer. We can't live a spirit-impacted life if we don't take the time to worship our God, except on Sunday mornings. We can't live a spirit-filled impacted kind of life if we don't get in God's book and learn what he has to say and fellowship with the spirit of the word of God and we will become spirit filled. Amen. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Not one time, not every once in a while, every day, Every day we need to, as we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is having the spirit's work in our life each and every day. Amen. So whenever I think, Lord, I'm feeling like I'm, life is overwhelming me. Life is over overtaking me. That's a signal that I need to go spend more time in prayer, in worship, in the word of God. And I need to look at what I'm saying. Look at what I'm doing. Look at how I'm living. Because if I will cut out the things that quench and grieve the Holy Spirit and start think, doing the things that fill the Holy Spirit's in my life, I'm telling you, I'm going to be like the shuttle and I'm going to be lifted off above my circumstances and situations and enjoy the presence of God. Amen. And 2015 will be a great year. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me this morning? Once you stand with me and let's close in prayer. Let's take a moment right now. Let's just take a moment right where we are. Let's just take a moment to just get filled with God's spirit. Let God touch us right now. Just close your eyes and just make connection with God. See, sometimes we're so busy in life, we can't even close our eyes and focus and concentrate on Jesus. We have so much turmoil going on in our life. We have so much anxiety and activity in our life that we can't even meditate on the Lord for just a second. But we got to quieten our soul. And we got to just focus our soul on Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm here to worship you today. I'm here to honor you today. I'm here to glorify you. Jesus, I need you today. Come on, just talk to him. Come on, just begin to fellowship with him right now. Forget about everything else. And just begin to just open up your heart. Maybe you're here today and you've never really, you've never been born again. You've never experienced a spiritual birth been in church, you've learned about God, but you've never been saved. I tell you, the Lord is okay for you to just be open and honest in his house today and just to say, man, I need to take that step. I need to cross the line. 
I need to be saved. I need to be born again. And I'm ready to do that today. Todd, would you pray for me? If that's you, I want you to just lift up your hand right now. Just lift your hand. Right here, ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Right here. This is, the, this is how you get born of the Spirit of God. Come on, raise your hand. Be bold. Don't be timid about it. Don't let the devil rob you of it. And just say, right now, I want it. Now listen, you've raised your hand right whenever we're done. I want you to just come up here and let somebody know that's up here. I want to give my life to Christ. Maybe you've been saved and you say, man, I, I, I desire to be filled with the, with the Spirit in a greater way. I want to be baptized with the Spirit. I want all the power that God has for me. And I desire the prayer language. If that's you, I want to encourage you whenever we dismiss in just a little while, I just want to encourage you to just come up and say, would you pray for me? I want to be filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We're going to believe God with you that today you're going to get that experience. Listen, if you're here today and you say, man, I don't feel filled with the Spirit. I feel defeated. I feel discouraged. I I feel stuck in a rut. Come on, right now, just make a decision. I'm going, to, I'm going to cut out the things in my life that are not helping me spiritually. And I'm going to start embracing the things that are, that are helping me spiritually. I'm going to adjust my life so I can be more filled and refilled and empowered by the Spirit of God. Amen. Father God, I thank you for your spirit that is here today. I thank you for your grace that's in this place today. Lord, I thank you that even today, as we live, as we lift your name up, as we worship you, as we exalt you, Lord, I thank you that today, that Lord, you're releasing your power. You're releasing your anointing. I thank you, Lord, that God, you are causing strength to come, comfort to come, peace to come. Thank you, Lord, that you're causing grace to come. Thank you, Father God, that Lord, you're causing to Discouragement to leave and joy to come. Thank you, Lord, that the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. God, thank you that the love of God is filling our hearts today. And God, we're getting transformed through the power of your spirit today. We love you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We are just grateful to be in the house of the Lord today. In the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed, spirit-filled, said amen. Come on, let's give God just a, a great praise offering and thank him for the helper, for the advantage in life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we're blessed. We're blessed to have the advantage and the helper in our life. Amen? Listen, if, if you uh, said yes to any of those things we just mentioned, come up, come this way. Let us pray for you. And if not, God bless you. Go out and just be filled with the Spirit. Amen? You're dismissed. Love you guys.